www.radiofin.org.za Be the change. If every man helps his neighbor, then who will need help? Elite, elite, our price is just right. We have just what you need, our prices you cannot beat. Elite, elite, our price is just right. Get what you need at Elite, elite. Elite Cash and Carry Specials. Baker's Salty Crust 400 gram for 23.99. Masada's Combo Bubbles 150 gram plus Crips 125 gram plus peanuts and raisins 150 gram for 28.99. Nam Char Charcoal 5 kilogram for 25 rand 99. Elite Hot Dog and Hamburger Rolls per dozen for 16 rand 99. Elite Cash and Carry. The Voice of the Cape, in association with the Gift of the Givers, will be hosting the annual Golden Hour Luncheon on Saturday the 9th of April at the Darul Islam Hall in Greenhaven from 12pm until 5pm. Tickets are available for only 190 Rand each from the Voice of the Cape office in Salt River or Taz Boutique in Gatesville. Limited seats are available, so come and enjoy good food, fabulous entertainment and great company with your favorite radio station, The Voice of the Cape 91.3 FM Stereo, a true leader in community radio broadcasting. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station. My radio station, your radio station, our radio station. Welcome back to Caravan, right here on The Voice of the Cape. It's nine minutes after nine, and this is the night surgery. We open the doors of the night surgery once again for a full hour uh, as we bring you uh, the things that you need to know around medical, the medical profession and around issues related to your health. So the number to call zero two one double four two three five three zero, or you can SMS us four seven nine one three. As mentioned, we have Dr. Muhammad Irshad Musa in studio, a family physician practicing in Randabash and Crawford, and he's representing IMA with the Islamic Medical Association this evening. Dr. Irshad, uh, welcome to the program. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Walaikum warahmatullah. Doctor, uh, obviously um, this evening uh, we will be handling general medical questions so people can call us up uh, and as mentioned we again say that please do when you uh, pose a question do mention your weight and your age. We're not asking for your name, uh, you can stay completely anonymous but it helps move the process along and determine exactly what the issue is. And uh, also you have to declare whether you're male or female but I think if people are phoning in you will be able to hear um, most probably. Uh, but uh, um, this evening uh, before we get to our questions and the SMSs and the phone calls, um, one thing that's come to mind, Doctor, is that uh, we are moving into the winter season. And uh. every year uh, we see the, the, the uh, virus or the flu virus becoming progressively worse. It's harder to get rid of this bug. So um, what are the, some of the precautions that we as individuals can take, um, as a layperson can take, in helping to prevent uh, getting a serious flu bug or or, or not or perhaps uh, pr protecting ourselves and and helping to recover more quickly during this winter season Fasikh, uh, I think the most important thing is to main, to maintain your general health if you um, 
eat healthily, get enough sleep, increase your uh, intake of vitamin C, a healthy body will fight off an infections um, to the extent that you will not become affected by them that, that severely. Um, so I think for, for the general population, I'd recommend that um, make sure that you eat well, get enough rest, um, try not to stress yourself physically, mentally, whatever, and um, get a lot of vitamin C. The other important thing is that you can, what you can do is receive the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine is out at about this time of the year. I know we have the vaccines now available in our practice. And what the flu vaccine does, it, um, it prevents you from getting the current strains of flu. Now, every year, the flu vaccine sort of changes and you get different strains. So the strains that caused the flu last year will be probably different to the strains that caused the flu this year. So that means every year you need to get a new f flu vaccine. So if you had the flu vaccine next last year, it won't, it won't necessarily protect you against the flu for this year. So we recommend that everybody, and particularly, and I'm going to mention a few people that are at risk and should um, get the flu vaccine over and above the, the general population, namely those people that are the elderly, um, those people that are over, the, we generally recommend over the age of 60, they, when they do pick up the flu, they tend to develop pneumonia and they um, tend to um, develop complications much more severely than, than the younger person. So we recommend everybody over the age of 60 should get the flu vaccine. Secondly, those who have chronic diseases, so your diabetics, your asthmatics, your people with heart disease, um, they should get the flu vaccine in, in, irrespective of their age. Because um, we know people with chronic illnesses, um, smokers with chronic obstructive airways disease, in other words, emphysema is another group. We know people who pick up, uh, develop flu or pick up flu who have those underlying conditions go on to become quite ill and develop a lot of complications, including pneumonia. Um, and then we, kids, we recommend kids that are in creches where there's a lot of kids together. It might be worthwhile um, giving them vaccinations. Um, pe people that work in the healthcare environment who come into contact with uh, people that are going to be sick, like doctors and nurses and um, people working surgeries or day hospitals, they should be vaccinated. Um, so those are the those are the 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 um, the high risk um, people that need to be vaccinated. Some workplaces um, they have a policy where the workers are uh, are vaccinated, um, and the employer usually does it on at his cost, where he encourages. Um, all these um, workers to get vaccinated to minimize the amount of time that they s they spend off work with the flu. And as you know, the flu can last from a couple of days to a week or two if it's really severe. So not only is it, are you, are you going to feel sick, but you'll, um, you'll uh, miss out on work as well. Indeed. Um, Doctor, also um, in mentioning everything that you have right now, um, when we talk about getting a flu vaccine and uh, we speak about the people who are at high uh, risk of being the elderly and being uh, the very young, um, would you say then that uh, um, 
in a sense, the flu is a gate, it can, then acts as a gateway to other illnesses, uh, as you mentioned, like pneumonia and um, other seasonal chest infections and so on and so forth. So by, by preventing the, 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 the virus from taking hold, mm. firstly, or lessening the impact of the virus, we can then prevent all of these other complications. Absolutely, you're correct there, Fasih. Um, the, a lot of patients who develop um, the flu go on to develop complications, and they can range from uh, ear, middle ear infections, sinus infections, um, pneumonia, bronchitis, um, anything to do with upper airways, and it can be quite debilitating. And you, sometimes when you have lowered resistance because you're fighting the flu, then your body is more susceptible to p- picking up other infections as well. So you go on to develop bacterial infections and um, which can, can render you quite quite sick. Number to SMS 47913. You can call us up on 021-442-3530 this evening. Uh, Dr. First SMS comes through on the SMS line. This this one is uh, is tackling the topic from a very general point of view. person simply asking, how do you know if you have cancer, Shukran? We could spend the whole night speaking about um, cancer. Uh, look, it's it's diff- it, cancer affects different parts of the body, so it'll affect you in different ways. Um, so if you notice, th- for example, you have any lump or bump anywhere in the body, you should need to have it checked out. doesn't mean that all lumps and bumps are going to be cancerous, but there is a chance. If you find that there's any change in your normal functioning, for example, you have a chronic cough that doesn't go away, um, you need to have it checked out. It could be cancer. I'm not saying it is, but there is a chance. Um, if you have any change in your open bowels, like if you go someone who goes regularly and you're over a certain age and all of a sudden um, your bowels habit changes where you either become constipated or you have diarrhea that lasts for more than two or three weeks, you need to have it um, checked out because there is a possibility that you might, um, there they could be cancer. Um, doctor, because of the broadness of this question, mm. uh, could we then maybe ask just the listener to send an SMS once again if they are concerned about a specific part of the body mm. so that we can maybe get a little bit more detailed, give a bit more of a detailed answer to mm. that? Because as you mentioned, it's quite a broad topic. Yeah. I, I, well, what I'd rec- recommend also is that if you do have any concerns that you might have cancers, go and see your doctor and discuss it with your, with your GP. Um, it might be... Um, you might be just worrying for nothing. Indeed. Uh, also, another thing, Doctor, is uh, um, if we look at self-diagnosis, um, and this was mentioned uh, earlier in the week or so in another program, where people t- tend to look at themselves and um, they match up symptoms uh, in terms of what they read on the internet or what they've uh, seen, you know, what they've seen on television, and they match it up with, with you know, what they've been feeling, but the reality is there, is no, there aren't any tests done. There hasn't been any consultation with doctors. People assume that's what's going on, and sometimes that worry uh, aggravates uh, uh, the, the, the condition, perhaps. So uh, perhaps that person's high blood pressure or whatever, and they're concerned about these things. So uh, what would you say is the importance of then, um, you know, instead of instead of worrying, acting on that, uh, you know, um, inf- acting on information to say, you know what, go to a doctor, go and see a physician, instead of, you know, instead of uh, assuming that this condition is now, is, is now present in the body. Yeah, they say Dr. Google can cause a lot of other problems <laughs> and stress. So um, 
Yeah, if 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 you think of it, I mean, do- doctors or and spend about six seven years studying the human body, studying different diseases. Then, if you become a specialist, another five or six years on top of that. Um, so it, it there's the, you need to know quite a bit about the human body and diseases and and health before you are equipped to make a, a diagnosis. So this diagnosis that you get off the internet or where you match up symptoms. Is, is is not the way to go um, and it can be uh, quite misleading and cause the patient a lot of stress like you quite said, quite rightly said your blood pressure can shoot up your sugar levels can go all over the place so the best thing to do is to go and seek professional help people who have studied and who know what they're talking about who will sit with you and, and ask you a whole 101 questions examine you and do the tests and come to a proper diagnosis um, in that way, you'll allay a lot of anxiety and a lot of stress, and you'll know exactly what you have. Um, we see it quite a bit where patients will look up their symptoms on the internet, and they think they have the the, the most weird and dangerous illness. Um, and it's because that they they hone in on one one symptom, or they don't take the whole picture, all the symptoms, and all the uh, the, the, ex- the examination and the test together to come to a final diagnosis. I just wanted to ask on that on that uh, um, comment uh, a question, uh, and that is um, with uh, with the um, with the with the issue of hypochondria, hypochondria or hypochondriacs, yes. um, people who assume um, you know they have the symptoms or sometimes perhaps even develop the symptoms yes. as a result of worrying about a particular condition, is there a particular field of study into people such as these in the medical field as to why you know they develop these? Um, these uh, you know condition these 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 symptoms within themselves is there a study into into the hypochondriac so to speak yes there is um if there's no physical basis for the symptoms and they keep on getting these so-called symptoms in inverted commas uh, like you say the hypochondriac or conversion of um, of converge what we call conversion disorder it usually falls in in the realm of psychiatry um, it falls under psychiatry they need to go see a psychiatrist usually there's some underlying psychiatric illness that manifests itself as a physical symptom so there's no physical problem but the mind is such that it actually um, creates the perception that there is a pain or there is a problem um, and in that case we generally refer those patients to a psychiatrist to um, try and determine what the underlying cause is and usually it's a psychological issue. Uh, just before we go for the break, uh, just an SMS has come through. It says, uh, male, 55 years, 50 kilogram, pain in the legs, between knee and ankle, bit of a swelling and more le- severe lately, past few months now, over bladder and ribs, also lost 12 kilograms, used several pain tablets from doctor's advice, Canada am a truck driver, Shukran. Well, we'll answer that question after this break. The Voice of the King. Welcome back to Caravan. It's 9.24 and uh, we will run into our, f- our first question once again. This person says, male, 55 years, 50 kilograms, uh, pain in the legs between knee and ankle, bit of a swelling and more severe lately, past few months now, over bladder and ribs. Also lost a wi- uh, 12 kilograms, used several pain tablets from doctor's advice. Canela am a truck driver. Shukran. Yes, Fasih. Um, if if I look at this, there's two there's two issues here for me. One is the pain over the knees and ankles. Um, 
in a truck driver um, for for some time, which could mean that there are obviously some mechanical problems relating to his back. Um, however, what worries me here is the pain over the ribs, uh, the bladder, and more especially the loss of weight. 12 kilograms in a short period of time is a lot of weight loss. And I would actually recommend that this person go and have himself checked out thoroughly to see what's causing his loss of weight. Because um, the cause of his loss of weight could be indirectly causing the pains in his bladder, ribs, and maybe even a problem with his knees and ankles. So my advice to this person would be to go, go to his uh, family doctor and ask his doctor to check him out thoroughly for the cause for his loss of weight. Uh, number to SMS 47913. You can call, also call us up on 021 for all your questions uh, for Dr. Muhammad Irshad Musa in studio this evening. Uh, next question says, I'm 6495 kilograms. I'm in acute kidney failure. Uh, what must I not eat? So a person says they're 64. Uh, they have uh, acute kidney failure and they are 95 kilograms and asking uh, what they shouldn't eat um, generally with kidney failure we try and we recommend that you cut down on your protein intake so um, we're looking at your meats your fish and your chicken because um, that can uh, aggravate the, the kidney failure but it'd be interesting to know what causes acute renal failure I think that's more important than what he can eat is what causes acute kidney failure um, and if it's acute there must be a reason and need that that reason needs to be addressed and treated urgently. You can also ask the question then doctor when we talk about um, this condition uh, fizzy drinks is something that people take for granted as they drink it like water sometimes. Yes, yes. So could one say fizzy drinks or drinks with a high concentration of chemicals, especially the syrupy type of drinks, uh, are generally things that people also need to avoid um, when, when, when they have kidney conditions? I think generally uh, we, we recommend to do not have fizzy drinks because of the high sugar content and can cause uh, um, you to develop diabetes, become overweight. And especially in a person with acute re- renal failure, acute kidney failure, they should avoid any anything like that, just stick to water. Um, even coffee and tea we wouldn't recommend that he takes but again it'd be interesting to know what is causing his uh, acute kidney failure and that needs to be addressed urgently I can also ask um, uh, we've mentioned the things that this person cannot uh, cannot uh, drink or eat but what about the things that you can um, what, what are the things that are beneficial to a person who has either is either suffering from kidney problems or have had who's had kidney failure, what are the things that are safe for for them to drink? Are there any types of teas, perhaps green teas, that they may partake in, or anything that they may eat which might uh, benefit them in terms of their condition? It depends on that the the degree of kidney failure, the cause of de- uh, kidney failure. Um, so certain teas are obviously uh, um, okay. Your green tea is always good, healthy. Um, water, we generally wouldn't recommend coffee. Um, you could have your milk. Uh, so p- I would recommend, and then certain are your juices, that, which are diluted down. Um, but there again, it all depends on the type of, if they've got mild 
chronic renal failure, if they have acute renal failure, that's something else. So it depends on what type of renal failure they have and what's caused it and how bad it is. Number to SMS four seven nine one three. You can also you can also call us up on zero two one double four two three five three. Your questions for Doctor Muhammad Irshad uh, Musa uh, this evening in studio. Uh, then also someone says they are a diabetic and cannot pee. Simply they are diabetic and they cannot pee. Uh, they are sixty four uh, ninety five kilograms, and they have a, okay. Uh, and and they have a kidney failure. What must I not eat? Well, that's the kind of it's the same question that came in earlier, but this time around the person says they cannot urinate. If this patient cannot urinate at all, then he needs to be seen urgently um, at an emergency unit or by his doctor as soon as possible because you should be able to pee. Um, urination is a means of your body to get rid of uh, toxins. And if you don't urinate, then that just pulls up in the body and can cause a lot of problems. So if he can't, cannot urinate at all, he should actually be seeing, uh, get to an emergency unit tonight still or go and see his doctor tomorrow morning. Number two, SMS 4793. You can also call us up on 021-442-3530. Doctor, um, I just want to go back to the issue of uh, um, flu. Uh, just, yes. just because... There's another issue that I think we might also need to talk about, and this is at the time this time of the year when the weather starts changing and uh, people start putting on warmer clothes and they they start uh, you know hibernating and going inside doors and having the soups and all of these things. Um, at this time, uh, we find that uh, when a person does develop flu, when they develop colds, um, there's a th- sometimes people would say, well. Um, I've got a flu, I've got flu, I've got a cold, let me just go out and self-medicate. I, I know there's this fizzy tablet on the market, or there's this or that. Um, how uh, how important is it for a person to go and see a doctor? Um, or self-medication, you know, generally okay, if we look at what the products are on the market. Um, or would you say specifically it's it would be important for someone to go to a doctor? Uh, that's a very good question there, Fasih. Um you get you get colds and you get flus, and they're two different um, entities. Mm-hmm. A cold is a much milder form of uh, runny nose, cough, sore throat, headache. The influenza or flu is where you have the severe body aches, uh, severe um, high fevers, and sort of develops all of a sudden, whereas the colds and flu develop slowly. I mean, the colds develop slowly and the flus develop all of a sudden. Um, with both of them, if you are a healthy person and you've got no other major illnesses, then you can self-medicate um, for 48 hours. And if you feel that you're recovering within those 48 hours and you're fine, then it's okay. However, uh, after those 48 hours, if there's been no improvement and you notice that your symptoms are getting worse, um, or if you are someone who has diabetes or chronic obstructive airways disease, which is emphysema, or you've got any other uh, underlying ailment, it's rather better to have yourself seen by a doctor than just to self-medicate. Also, a lot of your cold and flu preparations can actually aggravate conditions, heart conditions, and high blood pressure. A lot of them, a lot of them can actually push up your blood pressure and aggravate any uh, underlying heart condition. So if you're someone with high blood pressure, someone with heart disease, you've got to mention that to your pharmacist so they'll give you the right um, uh, medication and don't just take anything from your family member or friend or neighbor because you don't know whether those flu preparations you're taking are going to aggravate your medical condition. 
Um, so if you're someone, in, in a nutshell, if you're someone with uh, underlying medical condition um, conditions, rather go and see the pharmacist or go and see your doctor before you take any cold and flu medication. Um, if you're fit and healthy and you get a cold or flu, you, you can self-medicate for 48 hours, provided you don't have any um, sort of worrying symptoms. And if after 48 hours you notice your fever is not going away or you're getting worse, then it'd be advisable to seek medical help. That was uh, something I was going to touch on, Doctor. I just mentioned it there uh, now. And that is, uh, you know, people sharing medication. Yeah. I um, mean, we find not just with colds and flus, but sometimes someone says, hey, you know what? Um, I had this uh, infection and I took this, or uh, I have this pain and I took that, or this tablet and that tablet. And uh, people. Obviously, so, uh, perhaps sometimes it's a course of medication and someone's supposed to take eight, they only took six, yeah. and there's two left in the box, and the guy says, hey, yeah, you can take it because I think it will work for you as well because it worked for me. Yeah. So um, the dangers of, of, of you know, sh sharing medication um, when you yourself don't, un don't know what the effects might be on your own body. Well, firstly, the medication, you could be allergic to the medication. You won't know. So somebody can give you something and you can have an allergic reaction, which can be mild or can be very severe and life-threatening. So we do not recommend change, uh, sharing medication, especially antibiotics. Some medications can cause quite a bit of side effects, um, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, um, headaches. And... It might not cause that in one person, but in another person it might cause severe severe side effects. So you, you wouldn't want to give that to somebody. You shouldn't take it from somebody um, just like that. Um, and then another important thing is certain medications can uh, interfere with, your, with certain chronic medications that you're currently taking. So again, if you go on, on diabetic medication or hypertensive medication and you take something that somebody gives you, or if you've got an ulcer or you have heartburn and you take medication that is not prescribed for you from a friend or neighbor, it can aggravate those conditions and you can end up having other problems. Mm -hmm. So in, I generally do not recommend you taking medication from somebody else except maybe Zipanado, yeah. uh, which is generally safe. Um, but anything else, I would, I would make sure you know what it is for and make sure that you've taken it before and you don't have any allergies to it. Next one here says, Doctor, does fizzy drinks cause cholesterol chagrin? Fizzy drinks per se doesn't cause uh, cholesterol. Um, it can cause diabetes. Um, it can cause you to become overweight. It can cause heartburn. Um, so it's got a lot of chemicals in there, um, acid phosphoric acid in some of the some of these like coca-cola has which can cause a lot of harm to the body so but f as far as um, cholesterol is concerned I am not aware of any direct link between fizzy drinks and cholesterol number to SMS four seven nine one three or you can call us up on zero two one double four two three five three zero questions for Dr. Muhammad Irshad Musa in studio with us this evening. This one says Saddam uh, or I am a sixty two year old male. When I get hungry I feel nausea. Please advise Shukran. So this person says that sixty two year old male and when they get hungry they feel nauseous. Uh, it would be interesting to know if that this uh, person has diabetes because sometimes diabetics, when their sugar level drops too low, they become hungry and they can become nauseous as well. Um, 
if there is a problem with the lining of the stomach, a bit of acid buildup, sometimes they become hungry, then there's uh, excess acid buildup and reflux of acid, and that can cause nausea as well. So I suggest that uh, this person um, has himself or herself checked out by, by their doctor. Uh, next question says, uh, Salam doctor, I'm not a diabetic. Can I drink aloe tea with honey bush and rooibos? I'm guessing this person uh, has heard that this is genuine or something that maybe in the natural field uh, is issued to diabetics. So they're wondering if they can take it themselves. Uh, aloe tea with honey bush and rooibos. Absolutely. Um, those are quite healthy things to have, so it shouldn't be a problem. Okay. Um, also, also another thing is, Doctor, when we look at, um, again, speaking about the, medication, the issue of medications, and I'm just stressing this importance because I think there's this culture in our community of, you know what, I've got a few exit polls, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it on to you. And you've mentioned some of the side effects that might be dangerous to people. But is there a danger to also taking expired polls? The danger of an expired pills is we, for one, there's two. One, we, the, the, for whatever reason you're taking the pill for, we don't know if the uh, effect of the pill still works. So if you're taking something for pain, we don't know after it has expired it, the, the effect of the pill. It means, in other words, the active ingredient or the, the things inside the pill will no longer work. So you're actually taking something that won't help you. Secondly, we don't know what happens to those tablets after they have expired, whether the ingredients or the in the pill will actually cause harm or affect you in any way. So that is why these pills have an expiry date, because we, after that we're not sure how it's going to affect you, whether it will work or whether it will have any bad effects on you. So we generally recommend not to take tablets after the expiry date. You must discard them. And the number to call zero to one double four two three five three. Or you can dismiss us on four seven nine one three. When we return from this break, we'll continue. Stay tuned on VSC ninety one point three FM studio in this the night surgery. It's uh, Caravan, and this is the night surgery right here on The Voice of the Cape. We're still in studio with uh, Dr. Muhammad Irshad Musa, who is a, a family physician uh, practicing in Randabash and Crawford, and he represents the IMA, or the Islamic Medical Association, this evening. And we're taking your calls on 021-442-3530, or you can SMS us on 47913. This question says, Salam, I am constipated, suffering with bloated stomach and occasional cramps. I found my stool covered with fat-like substance. Um, is it cause for concern? Um, I would say yes. Um, you shouldn't have a fat-like substance covering your stool. Um, and there could be various reasons for that, but I think you need to see your doctor. Okay, so definitely uh, see your GP there. Um, Isthmus lines open 47913. Next one says, Salam, doctor. I have a pain for two days now, but it's only on the left side of my whole head. So basically, the half of the head, half of the head is paining. Okay, um, so the listener wants to know what it could be. Yes, yes, yes. And it's on the left side, so the ho whole left side of the person's head um, is experiencing pain for the okay. past two days. Okay, it's difficult to to say exactly what it is without getting more detail. But generally, a uh, unilateral or one-sided headaches, the most common cause uh, is a migraine, and it can be quite severe. It's like a throbbing, a pounding pain in the one side of the head. 
um, associated with nausea, vomiting. You can't stand light, so you need to be in a dark room. You can't stand um, uh, noise. Um, that's a cause of one-sided headaches. Uh, I mean, usually migraines usually run in the family. There's a family history, and it usually recurs. And this, there's usually a, a trigger, something that triggers it off, um, which can be from lack of sleep, stress, um, for certain foodstuffs. Um, then you can get, which is much less common, or doesn't usually affect one side, particularly affects the whole head, but can be more prominent one side and move over. There's a tension headache that comes from the neck up the one side and then it can move over. Then if uh, we need to ask him, has he had a head injury? Has he banged his head recently? Because if he has, then he could have a concussion or some other problems inside his head due to the bang. And that can give you um, headaches that generally more general but can be more prominent on the one side. So I think if his headaches doesn't settle down and if it's the first time he's having it and if it's developed all of a sudden, he needs to see his doctor. Um, but I think it's difficult to make a general um to make a diagnosis on the on the on the on air like this without uh, having all the details, like when did it start? Did it start with gradually? Did it start with all of a sudden? What type of headache it is? Are there any other symptoms? Um, uh, um, are the things that make it worse? Are the things that make it better? Is there family history? So there's a whole lot of things we need to know. But I think if it if it hasn't settled within, if it's the first time he's having it and it hasn't settled um, by now, he should go and see his doctor. Next question says, uh, Assalamu alaikum, female, 60 years, itching between the legs. Does it mean I have sugar? Pricked finger, the reading is 5.1. I'll repeat that message. It says, Assalamu alaikum, female, 60 years, itching between the legs. Does it mean that she has sugar? Uh, finger prick reading is 5.1. Um, <coughs> with, with a finger prick reading of 5.1, which is normal, excludes diabetes, um, Usually, where diabetes can cause itching between the legs or itching anywhere uh, in the skin folds of your body, under your arm, under the breasts, in the uh, folds of your abdomen, or between your legs, um, and that quite commonly occurs if you're diabetic. In, but however, it it can also occur in the non-diabetic patient, someone who doesn't have diabetes, who is a bit overweight, and who perspires a lot in those areas, um, and there's a lot of friction. Um, also, if it's in a fem female that uh, has a bit of a discharge, vaginal discharge, that can also cause a bit of itching. Um, so she needs to have a look at those. Okay. So the next point of call would be GP first or gynecologist? GP first. Okay. Okay. Uh, SMS lines 47913. Next one says, Hello, doctor. I'm a 48-year-old female, weigh 55 kilograms, height of 1.5 meters. I have a fatty deposit on my eyelid and pain in my left arm. Could the fatty, could the fatty deposit be related to cholesterol? And what can I take to lower my cholesterol? So the lady says she's got she's 55 kilometers, uh, 55 kilograms. Uh, she's uh, 48 years old. She she's about 1.5 meters. Has a fatty deposit on the eyelid, and pain in the left arm. Now she's asking, could the fatty deposit be related to cholesterol, and what can she take to lower her cholesterol? Yes, you do get uh, con um, deposits on the eyelid due to elevated cholesterol. Um, and how do you get the cholesterol down? It's generally Two means, three means actually. Diet, um, that's the most important thing. You've got to cut down on 
excessive fat in your foods, um, fatty foods, uh, oily foods, avoid fries and rather grill or steam or boil. And then um, the other thing also is uh, exercise. We find that if you exercise a lot, that will also help bring down your cholesterol. And thirdly, you can be put on to um, cholesterol tablets. But I think she needs to have her cholesterol measured first, properly measured at the doctor to see what the level is. And based on that, they can determine the, the, the next step forward. Number to SMS 47913. Next question says, Sadam, doctor, female, 56 years, 70 kilograms, brittle bone. She gets zolindralic acid once a year at, at GSH. Can I use Caltrate Plus together with calcium tabs and omega-13? I repeat the question, Sadam, doctor, female, 56 years, 70 kilogram, brittle bone. She gets zolindralic acid. Acid once a year at GSH. Can she use Caltrate Plus together with calcium tablets and omega 13? Caltrate Plus has got calcium in, so she doesn't need to take calcium, Caltrate Plus, uh, Caltrate Plus calcium tablets. She can take omega 3 with either the calcium tablets or the Caltrate, provided she doesn't have any issues or um, sensitivity or or problems with taking calcium. Um, if she, she if she doesn't, then she's uh, she can take caltrate or calcium plus the omegas. Okay. Uh, next question says here: Saddam, a female, 53 years of age, and suffer from reflux, had an op in 2006, and was always she's always constipated, and suffers from stomach and chest pains also burping continuously. After the operation, she was told she will never become nauseous. Always feeling bloated and eat small quantities of food. She doesn't suffer other illnesses like diabetes, high blood pressure or cholesterol. It does bother her the pain in the chest. She weigh about she weighs about seventy five kilograms. She has lost weight in the last two weeks. Just had water, tea and, and yogurt. So there's quite a lot of information. When here. did she have the operation? She said back in 2006, and she was told at the time that she uh, would never become nauseous. Um, but she says that she is uh, um, suffering a, uh, acid reflux and burping continuously and stomach and chest pains. Uh, and apparently she says also that she um, she's always feeling bloated and she eats small quantities of food. But she says she doesn't suffer from any of the other ailments like diabetes, high blood pressure, cholesterol. Um, and uh, she says that for the last two weeks, she's only been able to just eat water, tea, and yogurt. Firstly, the, ten, the op was done 10 years ago, and a lot could have happened since then. Um, it sounds like there um, they could be a recurrence of a reflux for the the. Um, which was probably the reason why she had the op in the first place, If I if I'm... I'm surmising here that she had the opt for the reflux problem. And it's been 10 years now, so there might be a recurrence of that problem. So the best thing for her to, to do now is to actually go back to the specialist or to the hospital where she had the opt done and they must reassess her and see that everything is still okay. This is the night surgery on VOC 91.3 FM, and uh, we are in conversation with Dr. Muhammad Irshad Musa, a family physician and uh, practicing in Randabash and Crawford area, and doctors representing the Islamic Medical Association here this evening. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be into the final segment of the night surgery, and uh, we'll still have time for a few more SMSs before we do close out for this evening. Mm-hmm. 
Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back. It's Caravan. This is the night surgery segment, and we're still in the studio with Dr. Muhammad Ishad Musa. Are we still going to be taking a few more SMSs? You can call us up also on 0214234530 uh, before the end of the show. Uh, just about five minutes left, and Doctor, I'd like to revisit the issue uh, once again, our, our theme for this evening, which is flu and flu vaccines. Um, now, are there any types of people who should not be taking the flu the vaccine? Generally, only those who've had a reaction to the flu before. So they've, if they're allergic to, to vaccines, they shouldn't take the flu vaccine. And also, what about people? Because I've heard, personally, uh, someone say that if you have the flu currently, you're not allowed to take a vaccine. Okay, very good point there. Uh, so, yeah, you absolutely. If you've got the flu at, at, the, at the time that you want the vaccine, you shouldn't um, take it. So you've got to actually wait until... The fever has settled, the flu has gone before you can take it. If you've got a bit of a cold, a sniffle, uh, no fever, then you can still get the vaccine. But generally, if you're feverish with joint pains and you're headache, you shouldn't actually take the flu vaccine at that time. Then also, Doctor, uh, another point uh, then in terms of that is uh, obviously the flu vaccine is out now. So would you advise people to take it earlier rather than later? I mean, uh, we are moving into winter. People generally think, ah, just before winter, I'm going to go get my shot. But, I mean, we are in autumn now, kind of in the middle of the season. Yeah. Is, is it advisable for us to really start taking it now? Yeah, the flu vaccine work, uh, works for nine months. So it gives you protection basically for nine months. And it takes about two weeks before it starts giving you the protection against the flu. So if you look at it, we're in, we're in um, March now. So I would recommend taking it now because it'll cover you nine months from now is the end of the year. So it should should cover you. And we are seeing flus coming through now. As you quite rightly said, the flu season will start picking up now with, uh, with the autumn. So I'd recommend everybody to, who wants to take the flu shot, and I recommend everybody should take it, whether you've um, got illnesses or not, or whether you're elderly or not. It's good to ha- to take it. Um, that you because by by taking it, you actually prevent the spread amongst the in the community. Um, if everybody should take the flu vaccine, then very few people will get the flu in the community because there'll be less people to pass it on. Um, so I would recommend taking it now. It is available now, so take it now because it takes two weeks to work through. So you don't want to wait just before winter because you still have that two-week window period before it starts working. So I recommend take it as soon as possible, and you are covered for the next nine months. Okay, and in our final SMS, and I think this will be the final one that we will tackle for this evening, it says, Saddam, doctor, I'm 48 years old, female, had a hysterectomy three years ago. Ovaries not removed. Ever since operation, having pain on the left side of my stomach, went for an ultrasound and x-rays, everything seemed clear, but I'm still experiencing pain and it's going down into my back and left leg. Please advise. Shukran. So I'll just repeat that lady says she's 48 years old, had a hysterectomy about three years ago. Her ovaries were not removed and she says that uh, um, the uh, she, ever since the operation she's having a pain on the left side of her stomach, went for an ultrasound and x-rays, everything seemed clear but she's still experiencing pain and it's going down into her back and left leg. Okay, um, the, let's that's not an easy question to answer without examining her and asking a few questions. Um, what could be causing the pain on the left side? You have your kidney on the left side, you have your colon on the left side, and you have your ovaries on the left side. You also have your back 
with nerves um, coming out of your back on the left side. So it could be a pinched nerve in a back on the left side that's going down into a leg, and that won't be you. You won't pick that up on ultrasound, and sometimes X-rays don't pick that up either. Um, I think you should definitely go and see your doctor again and um, insist that he finds the the cause for your pain. Um, the ov the ultrasound would have picked up any cysts or any growth on the ovaries. So if the ultrasound was done properly, then there shouldn't be any problems with the ovaries. But uh, I do recommend that she goes and sees her doctor and insists that he determines what the cause of the pain is. Doctor, we, we did say that that was the last question, but there was another one. I think we'll just take this final one sure, no um, before we do wrap up. This one says, uh, Saddam Doctor, I am uh, a 43-year-old female. My weight is 123 kilos, and I suffer from a hypothyroid, a high, high blood pressure, cholesterol, and carpal tunnel arthritis. Uh, she's on medication for all of the illnesses mentioned. She's now experiencing her feet paining underneath, especially her right foot, swelling, and then there is red patches on her feet and legs. When she sits or lays and gets up, she can barely step on her feet. Very painful. Please advise. It's a, um, from your history, uh, ma'am, um, it appears, and I look at your weight, you're 123 kilograms. So uh, there could be a lot of pressure on your the soft tissue underneath your heels. Um, so you have inflammation in your heels, uh, maybe better for what we call plantar fasciitis, which could be causing the pain when you get up in the, in the morning um, or when you get up from sitting or lying down. Um, <coughs> so I... I think have yourself checked out if it is uh, plantar fasciitis it's, not, it's um, just inflammation at the bottom of your feet it could be even osteoarthritis of the, the ankles um, due to again due to being being overweight so remember at the, when you're overweight then there's a lot of downward pressure on your feet and your legs so that has to carry all those all that weight and eventually you, it'll take a lot of strain and you'll get uh, different problems developing, swelling and arthri arthritis. So I think the most important thing is to actually get your weight down. I'm just wondering, you say you suffer from low um, thyroid, hypothyroidism, whether your uh, medication is, is correct um, and that your levels, your thyroid levels are not, too low which is making you gain more weight than what you should be or you're not losing weight as fast as you should be but um, in essence I would recommend that you go and have yourself uh, checked out the Inshallah. Well, of course, uh, Doctor, I think that's uh, about it for the night surgery this evening. Um, I think uh, that, is the f that is the last SMS for this evening. Shukran so much to everyone who's participated and uh, also to Dr. Shukran for coming in. Just before we do uh, wrap up uh, your details, if people would like to come and see you in your, in your professional capacity, um, is the number that they can call. And also um, tell us exactly where you're practicing. Uh, Fasih, I'm based in Krumbum Road at the Krumbum Medical Center um, and Travel Clinic. Um, and the number there is 021-696-8789. 
Okay, so 021-696-8789. That's correct. And that's at the Krumbum uh, Center in Crawford. If you'd like to come and see Dr. Muhammad uh, Irshad Musa, family physician, uh, and uh, obviously practicing in Crawford and Randabash, I believe, as well. Uh, doctor, thank you so much, Shukran, for joining us, and uh, all the best for the rest of the evening. Safe trip home, and uh, inshallah, we'll chat soon again, inshallah. Inshallah. Shukran, Fasih. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Well, um... As mentioned, that was Dr. Ishad Musa from the IMA, Islamic Medical Association. So thank you so much to them for um, participating in this program once again. Uh, once, once or twice a month, we do get an IMA practitioner. And inshallah, uh, probably next next week or the week after, we'll try and get another one in as well. Uh, along with our regular guest, Dr. Professor Kala, who joins us uh, on a, a monthly basis. Well, before we do go to the news, just to let you know that just before we, we do go to the news, that when we come back from this uh, news break, uh, we will be into hospital hours. You can start sending this SMS on four seven nine one three for all of those people not feeling so well this evening. And uh, alternative to that is you can call us up zero two one double four two three five three zero.